Andreas had learned to look carefully before he spoke. He was a tall, slightly stooped man in his sixties, a thick head of grey hair and big bushy eyebrows. And as he looked down the path, he saw the first customers of the day arriving. A quiet man, wearing those shorts that only Americans wore, shorts that did nothing for the bottom or the legs, but only pointed out the ridiculous nature of the human figure. He was on his own, and stopped to look at the fire through binoculars. A beautiful German girl, tall, tanned, with hair streaked by the sun, or a very expensive hairdresser. She stood in silence, staring in disbelief at the scarlet and orange flames licking over the boat in Ayaana Bay. A boy in his twenties, small and anxious-looking, with glasses that he kept taking off and wiping. He was open-mouthed in horror, looking at the boat in the bay down below. A couple exhausted after the walk up the hill. They were Scottish or Irish, Andreas thought. He couldn't quite make out the accents. The boy had a sort of swagger about him, as if he were trying to tell some imaginary audience that the walk had not been difficult at all. That's the boat we were on yesterday. The girl had her hand over her mouth in shock. Oh, my God, it could have been us. Well, it isn't, so what's the point in saying that, her boyfriend said firmly. And then, for the first time, Andreas realized that it was true. There was a fire, not just a trick of the light. There was the sound of an explosion from down in the bay. The others had heard it, too. He could not put it down to an old man's failing eyesight. He began to tremble and hold on to the back of a chair to support himself. I must telephone my brother, Georgie. He is in the police station. Maybe they don't know about it. Maybe they cannot see the fire from down there. The tall American man spoke gently. They see it. Look, there are lifeboats already on the way. But Andreas went to make the phone call anyway. Of course there was no answer from the tiny police station up the hill from the harbour. The young girl was peering down at the innocent-looking blue sea where the ragged scarlet flames and the black smoke seemed like a grotesque blot in the middle of a painting. I can't believe it, she said over and over. Yesterday he was teaching us to dance on that very boat, Olga. He called it after his grandmother. Manos? That's his boat, isn't it? asked the boy with the glasses. I was on his boat, too. Yes, that is Manos, said Andreas gravely. That fool Manos, with too many people on the vessel as usual, with no proper catering facilities, but insisting on pouring drink into them and trying to make kebabs with some outdated gas cylinder. But none of the people of the village would ever say any of this. Manos had a family here. They would all be gathered now, down by the harbour, waiting for the news. Do you know him? asked the tall American with the binoculars. Yes, indeed, we all know everyone here. Andreas wiped his eyes with a table napkin. They stood as if transfixed, watching the distant boats arriving and trying to douse the flames 
the bodies struggling in the water, hoping to be picked up by smaller craft. The American lent his binoculars to anyone who wanted to see. They were all at a loss for words. Too far away to go and help, there was nothing they could do. But still they couldn't stop looking at the tragedy unfolding below on that innocent, beautiful blue sea. Andreas knew he should make some move to serve them, but somehow it seemed crass. He didn't want to leave what was left of Manos and his boat and the unsuspecting tourists who had gone out for such a happy holiday cruise. It would be too commercial to start telling these customers about stuffed vine leaves and seating them at the tables he has been preparing. He felt a hand on his arm. It was the blonde German girl. It's worse for you. This is your place, she said. He felt tears come to his eyes. She was right. It was his place. He had been born here. He knew everyone in Aya Anna. He had known Olga, the grandmother of Manos. He knew the young men putting their boats out into the tide to rescue the victims. He knew the families who would be standing wailing at the harbor. Yes, it was worse for him. He looked at her piteously. Her face was kind, but she was practical too. Why don't you sit down? Please do, she said kindly. There's nothing we can do to help them. It was the spur he needed. I'm Andreas, he said. You're right, this is my place, and something terrible has happened here. I will offer you all a metaxa brandy for the shock, and we will say a prayer for the people in the bay. Is there nothing, nothing that we can do? asked the English boy with the glasses. It took us about three hours to get up this far. By the time we got back, I guess we'd only be in the way, said the tall American man. I'm Thomas, by the way, and I think we'd be better not crowding the harbor. See, there are dozens of people there already. He offered his binoculars so they could see for themselves. I'm Elsa, said the German girl, and I'll get the glasses. They stood with tiny glasses of the fiery liquid in their hands and raised a strange toast in the sunshine. Fiona, the Irish girl with the red hair and a freckled nose, said, May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Her boyfriend seemed to wince slightly at the expression. Well, why not, Shane? she asked him defensively. It's a blessing. Go in peace, said Thomas to the wreck, where the flames had died down, and they were in the business of counting the living and the dead. Lechaim, said David, the English boy with the glasses. It means to life, he explained. Ruet in Frieden, said Elsa, with tears in her eyes. Said Andreas, bowing his head in grief as he looked down on the worst tragedy that Aya Anna had ever known. They didn't order lunch. Andreas just served them. He brought them a salad with goat's cheese, a plate of lamb and stuffed tomatoes, and afterward a bowl of fruit. 
They spoke about themselves and where they had been. None of them were two-week package tour visitors. They were all in it for the long haul, several months at least. Thomas, the American, was traveling and writing an article for a magazine. He had a year off, a proper sabbatical from his university. He said that they were much sought after, a whole year with their blessing to see the world and broaden his mind. Teachers of every kind needed a chance to go out and talk to people of other countries. Otherwise, they could get caught up in the internal politics of their own university. He looked somehow a little far away as he spoke, Andreas thought, as if he were missing something back in California. It was different with Elsa, the German girl. She seemed to miss nothing she had left behind. She said she had grown tired of her job. She realized that what she had thought of as important was in fact shallow and trite. She had enough money saved to finance a year's travel. She had been on the road for three weeks and never wanted to leave Greece. Fiona, the little Irish girl, was more uncertain. She looked at her moody boyfriend for confirmation as she spoke of how they wanted to see the world and find somewhere to settle where people wouldn't judge them, want to improve them or try to change them. Her boyfriend said nothing either to agree or disagree, just shrugged as if it were all very boring. David spoke of his wish to see the world while he was still young enough to know what he liked and maybe join it. There was nothing sadder than an old man who found what he was looking for decades too late. Someone who had not...